This is the English Heritage Podcast. Hello and welcome back to your weekly podcast into England's past. I'm Charles Rowe. Coming up, we uncover the history of the world's oldest alcoholic drink. Mead is of such antiquity that it appeared on Earth millions of years before humans because as long as there have been honeybees, mead will have occurred naturally. We learn how mead is made. People are caught out by how strong it is and you know, they might knock back a few meads and think it's only made of honey, but in actual fact they have consumed a lot of alcohol in those two drinks. And we'll explain how and where you can try some. And don't forget you can get the English Heritage Podcast here every Thursday. Now this week, because Thursday is the new Friday, we're having an early weekend tipple with a historic twist as I try the oldest alcoholic drink in the world for the first time. It's called mead, which you might have heard of. Uh, Me personally, I'm new to mead, so with me in the studio here is Cameron Moffat, who's an English Heritage Collections curator and mead expert, and she's going to tell us a bit more about it. But before we open a bottle and pour some, and have some cocktails as well, let's go back in time, Cameron. Um, How was mead discovered, first of all? Mead is of such antiquity that it appeared on Earth millions of years before humans, because as long as there have been honeybees in existence, mead will have occurred naturally. Imagine a scenario where you have a hive of wild bees who have set up their nest in a cavity in a dead tree, and then some very large animal who's very partial to honey, like a bear, comes along, breaks into that hive, breaks it open, eats as much as they want, and then leaves the rest of it for the rain to come in. And the rain comes in, and once the honey has been diluted by the water, it creates the perfect balance for yeasts that exist in the environment to get in there and start the fermentation taking place. Because before you've put the water in, it's actually too sweet. The concentration of sugar, which is 80% in honey, is so high that fermentation will not take place. And so you've got to have that dilution with water to set the process going. So the main thing is that it's made from honey, effectively. It is made from honey, yes. And you add water, Mm -hmm. and then fermentation magically takes place. Fermentation magically takes place. You know, these days people would put a commercial yeast in, and and there are various ones that, that are recommended. I've seen a champagne yeast being recommended to make mead. But in history, particularly when people were making hives out of coiled straw, the hives that are called skeps, there would have been yeasts that were inherent in the straw, and those yeasts would start the process going. Right. So how would the early humans have discovered it? They would have gone over to this tree when the bear has vacated. Yes. Just suddenly Mm. stuck in their little finger and then went, oh. This is good. Yes. I mean, they would also, you know, like any other animal, like the insects, everyone was on the lookout for honey, wild honey that you could just avail yourself of. You know, this was an incredibly important foodstuff because of the level of sugars. There is nothing else in nature that has such a high level of sugar. And, you know, for early early man, well, you know, it's all about calories, getting those calories to keep you going. And I've heard that honey can last for centuries, millennia maybe. Uh, absolutely. Honey um, really will not deteriorate. It, 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 it will lose its aroma, but it pretty much lasts forever. And you do hear stories about 
bodies being preserved in honey while they were being transported back to you know wherever the, that person needed to be buried. It was a major ingredient in the embalming processes that the Egyptians undertook. Very important commodity. So are there different types of mead around the world? There are different types of mead. You can have mead where all the sugar has fermented and you get a very dry mead, a very strong, very dry mead, which is a bit like sherry. You can have a short mead in the way that people talk about a short beer, which is very much lower in its alcohol content and you can make it much, much quicker. And then there are regional differences because across the world, wherever the conditions are right, for honeybees, there will be mead because the making of the mead is actually a byproduct of the harvesting of the honey because you harvest the honey and then you've got the, the, the wax of the honeycomb and that in itself is a very important commodity. So you wash that and it's the water that you've washed the honeycomb clean with that you then turn into mead. And so you might get this happy coincidence of really good places for bees to nest and the forage plants that they want in many, many different places. So Russia, Poland, the bees are all living in the trees and they're all feeding on the pollen from the trees and the nectar from the trees. And then you go to Greece and the geology there is is very beneficial for bees finding nesting places and they go into all the fissures in the rocks. And they have a completely different range of flowers that they are foraging from. And Ethiopia. Ethiopia is another place that has the right combination of homes for the bees and food that they're going to eat. So essentially you could have a, a manuka meat with well, you eucalyptus because be there's expensive. a manuka honey, isn't Gosh, there? Gosh, well, yes, yeah, there is be. a manuka honey, yes, yeah. You'd have to get it in a health food shop or something like that. Uh, yes, but, uh, you would, yes, yeah. Okay, well, that's really interesting. So where is mead on the evolutionary chart of alcoholic drinks? Is it the first beverage before oh, yes. wine and beer? Oh, yes, by a long way. Uh, wine, it really kicks off about 8,000 years ago when the right kind of grapes have been developed. They have taken grapes and they've cultivated them and brought them on to be the right kind of grape and in enough quantity for making wine. So that is relatively recent. 8,000, that, that yeah, it doesn't seem very long ago. No, no, it's not. Well, the, the, the grapes were not there since forever, unlike right. the honey. And beer, you can only make beer when you have figured out how to malt grain. And, and so, you need agriculture, I guess. Yes, and you need agriculture. I mean, you could go out and you could find wild grain, but agriculture, is the, that's when you've got enough of it to spare some for making beer. Yeah, and, and malting is quite tricky. It's a tricky process. So, yeah, I th- from the Neolithic onwards, they're, they're making beer. Are there any English heritage <laughs> sites associated with mead making or mead consumption? Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the top one is Tintagel Castle, which, of course, is a hugely important, famous site for the immediately post-Roman period in the 5th and 6th centuries. Um, and that's in Cornwall, isn't it? And that's in, in Cornwall, yes, yes. And it was a real power base for the tribe that inhabited the far southwest. And recent research that I have undertaken into the collections for Tintagel focused on a very large number of stone disks that have been found at the site. And I was able to make a connection between these stone disks and the large numbers of imported wine amphorae that were still coming into Tintagel in the 5th and 6th century. And it seems quite clear that 
they were taking the amphorae once all the wine had been drunk and they were getting a further use out of it. They're reusing these amphorae to make mead with. And the discs are the secondary stoppers because they've broken the ceramic stoppers that the, the amphorae initially had as they came in as cargo, broken them open to, to empty out the wine. So they need a new, a new stopper. Right. And, and you're holding the disc in your hand. It's got I a. Am. It's probably about three inches across, something like that, with um, a hole board in the centre, probably about just less than a centimetre across. Mm. And this would have been in the top of the amphora or amphorae. If you don't know what one looks like, they're quite sort of long, aren't well, they? Well, they're very large. I mean, they're very large capacity they can ceramic be, what, vessels. Four foot tall, something oh, like that? Oh, they can be, yes, yeah, something like yeah, that. So yeah, so they're quite the long and thin mm, and uh, mm. they sort of come out at uh, the edges. So, yes, well, they're very tall. Very large capacity, narrow at the neck so that you can put a stopper in, put a bung in and uh, and seal it up. And this is obviously Tintagel that you've been talking about. Any other sites associated with mead in England? Absolutely, because once it was identified there, it has been possible to look at earlier sites and look at a wider range of sites. And in the areas of the country where there are good stone supplies and you can make these things easily, we found that these are occurring on all the Roman sites. So yes, have just written a big paper about the numbers of these at Roman Roxeter, which is a site in Shropshire, a very big site, have picked them up on multiple sites uh, up on Hadrian's Wall. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was, was making mead. And, and in the Roman period, Beekeeping was a recognized thing that rich landowners did to make easy money. You know, it's written about in all the in all the, the sources of antiquity. To make a quick buck, set yourself up in beekeeping. So we talked about um, how it's made, obviously. How long does it actually take to ferment? It's quite slow to ferment compared to other things like beer and wine. And so you could be looking at a fermentation time of maybe two or three months because it goes quite slowly. And that's, all, that's, in fact, a good sign. You get a stronger drink for, for a slower fermentation. And then you need to age it. They do say three years is kind of a minimum. When you say age it, does it get transferred to another container? Or? Well, this is, where, this is where the amphorae come in because they're making it in some big open vat. Okay. And, then, and then once the, ferment, the initial fermentation has completed, then they are decanting that into the amphorae and sealing them up and putting it to age. Right. Yeah. When was the heyday, do we know, of mead making? When, when did they start at Tintagel? Uh, at Tintagel, the, the, it's really in the 5th and 6th centuries. After that, it goes a bit quiet, but I think that's simply because the, the, the um, equipment that was being used simply hasn't survived. Where things are made of wood, they only occur infrequently in archaeological deposits. So once you get to the point where there are no amphorae left because they are not coming in from the continent anymore... And there is no real pottery industry in Britain that, where they're making enormous storage vessels that are useful for that. Then it all goes over to wood. And, and people are doing things in casks and kegs and, mm-hmm. and stoppering. The stoppers are made, of, uh, to, are made of wood. And then it disappears. But then it was mm. always there. And in the medieval period, mead then becomes really visibly big again. So what's the best temperature to consume mead at? Cool room temperature or... I, th- I think it depends what what you're doing with it. There there are quite a lot of 
mentions of mulled mead, warmed mead, and this this is uh, seen as being, you know, oh, and on, on a cold winter's eve, or this will tuck you up. For feels bed. Christmassy, doesn't it? It feels Christmassy, and if you go and read Thomas Hardy's book Under the Greenwood Tree, a lot of that is set at Christmas, and 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 yes, they're drinking they're drinking homemade wines, you know, country wines. And they're drinking their own homemade ale, but the mead is very special. You can tell how people, by the way, people talk about it. And oh, let me let me give you a nice cup of warm mead. That'll really see you right. So it's really valued. Yeah, yeah, it's special. Is mm. there any evidence that this was consumed to coincide with the winter solstice at Stonehenge or anything like that? Or I I don't think there is archaeological evidence I don't think there are specific artifacts but I think it is fair to assume but we think that I was would feasting certainly there, assume oh yes there was feasting there I would assume that, mm. that they were drinking mead yes that's really interesting okay well if you have developed an interest for mead as a result of listening to us talking about it where can you try it the English heritage sites all stock mead and I think they stock a couple of different kinds of mead because it has this historical association and I think people go to historic sites and there's possibly an expectation that that there will be mead so on the English heritage site yeah the English um, heritage website the online yes. shop yes yes I believe they do it yes lovely okay well enough talking about mead let's get tasting it now perhaps we could at this point uh, rope in our able assistants before we go to cocktails i would like us both to have a sip of this mead that i have made okay and this is made completely in the way that it would have been made for millennia this is honey and water and i just let it do its own thing and how long has this been this is five years old so we're just going to have this is five years old. We're just going to have a quick sip okay. because I think it will be interesting to compare the mead that that has been made for millennia with what we might think is a, a modern tasting mead because okay. I suspect that will be. So you've sweeter. got a bottle of about. It looks a bit like one of those Orangina bottles that you might get in France. Why? Well, I suppose um, it is. Yes. <laughs> probably about six inches tall there, and you've got written on the side in marker pen, mead one. Two to 14. I've, I've made three batches of mead, so okay. this is the... So is, is this February 2014, yes. effectively? Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. right. So you've poured into these little, um, I guess, shot glasses. Mm. And what's the smell like? Can you describe? Very alcoholic. It smells alcoholic. It's very it? alcoholic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is a dry mead. So so here okay. the sugar has all converted into alcohol. So it's it's less... Honeyish than than you might think it's going to be, but it is strong. Well, you're getting st- straight down your neck. I was going to do cheers, but uh... <laughs> oh, go on, go on. It's not too late for cheers. Okay, cheers. You can't hear any glasses clinking because no. these are made out, made out of plastic. But um, okay, here we go. Mm. Down the hatch. Hmm. I don't know how to describe it really. It just mm. tastes of alcohol, I suppose. Mm. It hasn't got a huge sweet taste. No, it hasn't. No, it really hasn't. But it sort of warms you. The inside of your throat, like a yeah, like a whiskey or so um, strong. But yeah, it was what it was really all about was was getting drunk and you know read Beowulf or, mm. or you know other ancient poetry. You got Dodin and 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 they are I think they are less concerned with oh how how lovely it might taste and and more concerned with drinking as much as as much as possible. But but the the clarity was was important. They did like mm. they did like for it to be a nice clear transparent well yeah just looking at the bottle here how would you describe that color 
it does look pretty similar to what honey would look like if you have um, yes. had a hot honey and lemon tea and left it to go cold or something. It's um, yeah, but it's very strong. It's and, certainly and so lighter than apple juice. If if you yes, for a clear apple juice, yes, it is. It is paler. And yeah. early on, uh, I have found um, in the mead making. There, it has this kind of metallic purple sheen that I think comes from the chemicals in the beeswax. There's a, there's a huge range of unusual chemicals inherent in beeswax. And that, I think, is part of what you're doing by aging it is letting it dissipate. Because, you know, when I first made this, I took a sip and I thought, well, I was astonished you could make anything that tasted as disgusting as that from honey. <laughs> <laughs> However, every time I've tasted it through the years, it, it, it gets much better. I, think I, don't think, I don't think it's unpleasant at all. I mean, it's very yeah. nice. You could pour that into, a, I guess, a whiskey glass and have a bit of ice. Mm, yeah, I think that would be Maybe nice. Maybe a garnish of some kind. Nice over ice. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm giving loads of ideas to the cocktail makers who yeah, are behind yeah. the screen. We are now going to try some cocktails... And there's a bit of shuffling and clinking of glasses behind the oh, screen. Oh, how pretty. Oh, and here, mm. here, here they come. The great thing about this is that we're out drinking. We don't even have to pay. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it's all table service. <laughs> so what have we got here? Ah, yes, this is Monk's Fizz, right. I'm being told. Okay. And this is made out of orange juice. We've got a tall sort of fluted glass. And there's an orange peel garnish on the top so let's just go through some of the ingredients here together shall we Cameron okay so Monk's Fizz is do you want to read that out 40 ml of heritage mead 40 ml of fresh squeezed orange juice and 75 ml of English sparkling wine it looks very summery doesn't it shall we taste shall we clink clink let's let's have a try of this oh that's really nice definitely getting the fizz Mm. And the orange, obviously. Mm-hmm. And as you're tipping the glass towards your nose, because we've got this slice of orange on the side of the glass, mm. you're sort of getting that whiff up your nose as you tilt your head back and the liquid goes down. Interesting. I see you're nibbling there like a well, the orange like a nice school too. rugby player <laughs> at halftime. The uh, orange as well. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like a mead bucks fizz. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tasted anything like this before, or you just no. like to have it neat normally? Well, I make it. I can't say I actually do a lot with it, but I think this will inspire me to to get it out at Christmas and do some yeah. more interesting things. I, I do mold mead at Christmas. Mold I mead. have done that. Yeah. Lovely. So that was the monk's fizz. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to try now honeyed gin. And this is old-fashioned. What kind of glass is this in? It's sort of like a slightly... Yeah, beaker. Keg-shaped tumbler. Yeah. Five inches tall, something like that. But it's, it's like served... Straight glass? Again, maybe? it's served with a, a little bit of... Um, orange peel. Orange peel. Mm. And a very small amount of the actual liquid. And I see the Cameron swirling it around. It's got a is little bit just... of caster sugar in the, in the recipe. So I'm, right, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm making the caster sugar incorporate into the drink okay i'm gonna try it wow how does it taste oh well that's nice yeah better than the other one uh, no just really different it's it's much more aromatic than the other one i think you can taste the the the, the honey more in this one because it's a, a smaller drink it's 50 mils cotswold distillery 1616 aged gin 
50 ml heritage mead and half a teaspoon of caster sugar or 10 mils of sugar syrup. I think either of these will be great at Christmas and I will definitely, definitely be doing these. Okay, let's have a taste myself. You definitely get a good whiff once you've got your nose Mm. over the top of the glass. Mm. And you can see, as you said, the um, caster sugar sort of settling at uh, at the bottom. Hmm. I think I prefer this to the other one. You can imagine sitting by a fire and just cupping it in your hands. It does warm your warm your cockles, doesn't it? As it sort of slips down your throat and you can you can feel it more I think in in your chest and your mm. Would because you agree? it's so strong. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and I think that is you know one of these things about mead is that people think because it's made of honey, it's not going to be that strong. It's more sort of dessert-like, maybe, which is in the context that, that most of us know honey these days. And okay. so people are caught out by how strong it is. And you know, they might knock back a few meads and think, well, that's, it's only made of honey. But in actual fact, they have consumed a lot of alcohol in those two drinks. I could almost imagine having this at Christmas time, but with Christmas pudding. Mm, that would be nice, do, wouldn't it? Do you think it's yeah. got that sort of... I can definitely imagine having this at a bar just on a Friday night with some friends or something. Yeah, yeah. In 16, 16. <laughs> but, but of course, it's, it's very popular now. Mm. And one of the reasons why it has become so popular in the last few years is because unlike virtually all the other alcoholic drinks, it doesn't contain gluten. Oh, and wow, of this course. is this is why it's very popular with a sort of hipster audience these days is because because there are a lot of people looking for a gluten-free drink and those are actually quite hard to come by so That's in Shoreditch in East London they serving meat oh, yeah really yeah yeah it's quite popular it is quite popular yes and we're sitting in our Bristol studio at the moment do you think it might find its way to the west I'm sure there will be places in the center of Bristol where they're doing mead Okay, well, after this, we'll have to go and find out. (laughs) (laughs) See if we can taste some more. Well, that's very nice, I must say. And when you get to the bottom of the glass, you do get more of the the, the sugary taste coming through from that caster sugar at the bottom. With three sips, you can get different tastes each time, Mm. I would say. And it is very different to the first one. And the first one, you know, that, that would be something you might have for a special brunch, Mm. And and in this, yes, it would be quite nice of an evening. So that was honey gin old fashioned. So that's number two. So we're now going to try number three, which is something that you might have maybe for Guy Fawkes night or something like that. Oh, good idea. You mm. know, something a little bit warmer that you might be able to put in a thermos. Mm, mm. Um, obviously, always take a taxi or get the bus or get a friend to drive you if you are taking this one. Now, this one is... Ye olde hot tod. So basically it's a hot toddy. Yeah. It's 50 mil heritage mead, 75 mil hot water, 10 mils of whiskey, one teaspoon of runny honey, and three teaspoons of lemon juice. So it introduces honey twice, effectively. Mm. One is that mm. it's been fermented because it's mead, mm. and the other one is fresh. All right. So mm. we've mm. got a couple of mugs here. And inside, what looks like... um, It's a cinnamon. Oh, it's a cinnamon stick, is it? Stick, yes. Okay. I see you're sort of almost like a teaspoon just twirling it around. (coughs) Okay, so Cameron's going to take a sip. 
Well, I think that's lovely. And, and you know, I quite often will do, you know, if you've got a cold, you'll do hot honey and lemon. Yep. Well, this is a nice alternative. I think this is very pleasant. How would you describe that taste? It's it's not unlike hot hot honey and lemon. And with the cinnamon stick, does that make much difference? Mm, might have to sit in there a bit longer to, to, to let the flavors infuse. It's not, not quite there yet. Okay. Right, let's, let's have a go myself. It's it's warm. It's warm and soothing. Yes. This feels um, a little bit more soothing, uh, calming. Yes. Slightly medicinal. Medicinal, but in a nice way. Medicinal, but relaxing while you're listening to the English Heritage podcast. Oh, feeling very relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, out of your three, the monk's fizz, which was number one, honey gin old fashioned, which was number two, and ye oldy hot Todd, could you possibly tell us your favourite? I'm quite impressed with the old-fashioned, and I will I will definitely be trying to recreate this so at, number at two. Christmas. Yes, yeah. I have to agree with you, actually. Mm. It's um, got that convivial feeling to it that um, you could sit with friends around a log fire, you know, chatting about old times. Old times. It's a strong drink, but a sophisticated drink, I would say. Yes, yeah. because there's less of it as well. You yeah. sort of feel like you value... Mm. each sip because there's only about three mm-hmm. sips in that particular tumbler mm-hmm. the garnish as well it gives it a little air of sophistication that peel mm. just sitting in the bottom of the tumbler well, of course it's very it's very satisfying for me that 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 mead is having this comeback in in a commercial sphere at mm. the same time as i have been doing all this um exciting new research in and discovering the evidence for mead and antiquity in britain so yeah, I like it. Well, so you can put this down as research today. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the English Heritage Podcast. If you'd like to try mead, you can taste samples or buy bottles in our site shops. Plus, if you want to mix your own mead cocktails, all thanks to Samuel Bolton from the Vanguard in Birmingham, just search for mead on our website. We're back next week. Until then, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share, and give us a rating. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hello, this is Josie Lung, here to tell you about Speaking with Shadows, a podcast series from English Heritage, presented by me. With the help of researchers and local community members, I'll bring you six stories from history that we should all be talking about. Subscribe to Speaking with Shadows, the podcast that listens to the people that history forgot and get every episode delivered to your podcast feed for free. I can't wait for you to hear this show.